streets with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Oh, well, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Oh, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for being in the house of God one more time. Father, we thank you so much. For the privilege, O oh God, of being in your presence once again. We thank you, O oh God, because we know that you are still on the throne and you are still God doing what you do best, touching the lives of people. And we thank you so much, God, for touching us today and giving us the ability to be able to be here. And we pray for those that are not able to be here. God, we pray for the Bell family. We ask that you would continue to be with them, O oh God, and strengthen them, Lord Jesus, and their family. And also the Racians, O oh God, we ask that you would touch them as well. And let your perfect will be done, O oh God. We know ultimately that you have all power in your hands, O oh God. Nothing can take place without you and without your permission, God. So let your perfect will be done. And we will glorify your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Touch the demutes too as they are away, taking care of family matters. That God will comfort the family during the time of loss and also a joyous time of a wedding. Amen. Lots of things going on. You know, it's the beautiful thing about life. You know, we 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 cry sometimes. You know, we we mourn. One thing I understand about life is that. In our understanding, and I'll say this real quick so we can go to our lesson, but in our understanding, in our comprehension of life, when we die, that's it. It's the end of life as we know it here on this earth. But you know what's amazing? That life doesn't end just because you end life here. The Bible talks about us sleeping, right? Right? So, life didn't stop. It's, that's the amazing thing to me. So, life in and of itself is eternal because life comes from who? God, right? So, God is eternal. Life can't be killed. It can't, it can't go away. It just is. So, it's just a matter of where we end up for the rest of our lives. Amen. So that's the beautiful thing. That's that's where the hope is, you know, because if all we had to look forward to was just death from this side and that was it. then yeah, that's devastating. But there is more to life than just what's here on this earth. And there is more to come. And that's why we need to go out and share the share this good news, share the message of hope. People need to know this is not all there is to life. There's a whole lot more to look forward to. Amen. First Corinthians. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the verse that I would like to use as the text for this morning. Therefore, my beloved brethren, now that you've heard all of this, you understand that there's more to more to come, more to look forward to. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding where? Always abounding in your own agenda. Always abounding on your own program. Is that what it says? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We've been talking about ministry for the past two weeks, now three weeks, and I'm going to, what we're going to talk about today, there's four things that I want to point out over the next couple of weeks, four key elements that I would like to point out for the effectiveness of the ministry or the work of the Lord. Remember what we talked about, the ministry, the whole ministry. Okay, the whole work. And so everybody has a part in that. But the four things that I would like to focus on that I think is important when we talk about ministry or helping making the keeping the ministry effective or keeping us effective in executing the ministry is one leadership, two participation, um, three is fellowship. And the fourth one pull up my notes here.
So we said leadership, participation, fellowship. I will give you all that last one. I lost my notes. But the, four, the one thing I'm going to focus on today is participation. Participation. So that means, I'll give you the fourth one in, in a minute, but participation. What does the word participate mean to you? Actively involved. Anybody else? What does it mean to you? When you hear the word participate, taking apart, become involved. Anybody else? Say again. <laughs> Said no, no, no participation. I'm just <laughs> to be a part, everything that was just said. Right? To take, to be an active member, an active part, or as I like to say, to be engaged. Unfortunately, what we see is there's a lot of talk about things that we want to do, things that we would like to see happen. A lot of people talking. And there's a lot of blank promises out there. Mainly because people are not actively engaged in the work. We got a lot of people in our society who do not like to work. What's the quickest way for me to become successful, what's the quickest way? You know, folks that you've got folks that that live in the projects where I grew up, and they expect to go and apply for a job and become the manager, and they have no experience, but they want to be in charge. They want to run the show. But they have no experience. So they're going to tell you how to do your job when they don't know how to do the job themselves. Right? But why do they want it? Because of the benefits. I make more money if I'm in a higher position. Forget all that, you know, I don't want minimum wage. I want the ten, twelve dollars an hour, fifteen dollars an hour, depending on what job you're going for. So we have folks that that act like, and then you've got folks who say, you know what? I'm not gonna slave away for pennies. I got another way to make money. I'm going to hit the streets. Because if I sell, and I'll tell you what, the reality is, unfortunately, these guys out there on the streets are making a lot of money. In one hour, in one hour, 
this is possible, they will make what you get paid for that one month. One hour. That's a lot of money. And all it took was for me to go make a few deals, make a few trades, deliver a few products, and I'm good. So it's no wonder I can walk on the car lot and say, I want that. You ever wonder why they stay in the projects? A lot of them choose to stay in the projects. There's two reasons why they choose to stay in the products. projects. One, if I go and purchase a, another place somewhere, I'm more exposed now. You know, purchase those nice places, I mean, you got to live in a nice neighborhood, right? So in those nice neighborhoods, you got home association, you know, commitments and or homeowners association and, you know, there's all kinds of surveillance going on in the, those type of neighborhoods. It's a whole lot more difficult to do your drug trade in an environment like that. You don't want an environment that's infested with a bunch of law enforcement. The other thing is they don't have a clean record. I can't even get to the point of being able to legitimately purchase property. To live a clean life because all my deeds and the things that I'm doing, I need concealment. I need something to help me hide what I'm doing. And the projects is the most ideal place for me to do that. Problem is, they're adding to the burden. We taxpayers who have a legitimate job. We're going out and we're paying, you know, we're working hard and then we're paying taxes to help these criminals who didn't want to get an honest job and wanted to make more in an hour, got caught, now they're locked up and we're paying tax money, we're paying our money to take care of them, to house them, to clothe them. Feed them. So how's that helping? It's not helping the cause, right? But we have people that do not like to work. Now, in the church, unfortunately, it's the same. We have a lot of folks who do not want to work. They want the benefits of being a Christian, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to labor. What did Jesus say? Y'all think it's just me saying it. Jesus said what? The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot out there. He says, but the laborers are few. There's few that are willing to work. But Paul encourages us. He says, be ye steadfast, unmovable, right? Always abounding, constantly staying in the work of the Lord. 
Now, I want to take some time and I would like for all of us know this is not a part of the lesson but if you would join me in prayer I want to pray for Sister Racian and uh, Brother Dan's family. Is there any updates that we do have? 3 a.m.? So Brother, Brother Dan passed away at 3 a.m. And I, I'm not the pastor, so normally this would come from the pastor. But I just feel it's uh, necessary to just take some time and just pray for the family as a whole. So if you could, please join me. In prayer. Father, we come before you right now, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much, O oh God, for your kindness, for your love, your grace, and mercy, God. As we come before you, Lord, before your throne, we come, O oh God, with a sense of and a heart of sadness, Lord Jesus. God, you see what has taken place, oh God, and we know that you're in control, Lord. We're coming before you asking you to give us peace, oh God. That peace that passeth all understanding. We pray, oh God, that you would touch right now, Sister Racy and Lord Jesus. We pray that you would touch Brother Dan's family, oh God. Touch the entire family as a whole, O oh God, and give them comfort during this time, Lord Jesus. You see, O oh God, and you know how challenging it is, O oh God. Moments like these, Lord Jesus, we try to understand, we try to make logic of it, but ultimately it's you, O oh God, that's in control. And we're asking that you would just comfort right now. Comfort the family, comfort the home, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray, oh God, for every member here, Lord Jesus, that is impacted by this news, oh God. We ask, oh God, again, that you would mend, oh God, the broken heart, Lord. Only you can do this. That's why we're coming to you, God. In our hurt, in our pain, in our sorrow, only you can bring the comfort that we need, Lord Jesus. So we're asking you to do it right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, O oh God, touch the family, O oh God, as they continue to prepare, Lord Jesus, the things they need to prepare. We, we ask again that you would unite the family, O oh God, but mo most importantly, we ask, O oh God, that you would reveal yourself to them even more so. Help them to understand, O oh God, that even in this trying moment, this challenging time, O oh God, Lord Jesus, that you are the peace. You are the joy, O oh God. You are the answer and solution, O oh God, to every challenge in life, Lord. Even the one that they're enduring right now. Move in a mighty way, O oh God. And we count it done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
as we go through this life, and I'm just as you look around, it's easy sometimes to overlook what's taking place. Yeah, as I was I was just kind of looking at some of the stuff for this lesson and one of the things I was going to talk about was faith because faith is one of those things that deal with what we don't know, what we cannot see, but what we believe to be. In the very state that we are in, the here and now, is challenging to see ahead. It's so easy to become focused, totally focused on the here and now. The problem with that is that's all we see, which means that everything we do in life from that point on becomes reactionary. You know, when they teach you to drive, they teach you that you have to look beyond the front of the hood. But the natural tendency is to look directly at what's in front of you, what's directly in front of you. And again, God has so much more in store. And every challenge is not meant to destroy us. It has weight to it, but it's not meant for our destruction. God knows exactly what he's doing. He has a plan and purpose for everything that's taking place. And if we trust and confide in him, he brings us to that point, even though we can't see it. This is what I believe. You know, there's been a lot of great explanations about faith. You know, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is what that means to me. Faith, it removes the requirement for logical comparison. The trouble is that because or a person that is focused on solely the here and now and what's tangible, we measure or we attempt to measure God's ability based upon what we see. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. There's a reason why we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Because, again, human nature, we naturally measure things based upon tangible things. What's tangible? That's part of our logic. That system to use what exists. And if you look at it in every facet, even in science, they try to do that. They take what exists even to explain what they feel like either doesn't exist or what they cannot put their hands on to confirm that exists. So they have to use what they see or what they can touch or what they can identify with that's tangible to explain those things. And there's no way to really do that justice. When you're trying to really look at the plan of God and unfold the plan of God, you're going to have to go through faith. You're just going to have to use faith. 
And for each and every one of us, God is trying to bring us to a certain place. This is why it's so important that we submit to him and not go off of our own doing or our own comprehension, our own understanding. Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all of our ways, we are supposed to do what? Acknowledge him. So that he can direct our paths. To me, faith gives us an ability to look or peer into the infinite dimension and see the, the potential outcome of our situation before it even manifests. That's what it means to me. That I have the ability through faith to see the outcome or the possible outcome of my situation before it even materializes. That transcends. It doesn't take away. It transcends an earthly mindset. It transcends what we see in the material world. You can take what you see and obviously it exists. Like I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just living in reality. Right. But where is your reality? Is it in God? Because if it's in God, then faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But with faith, all things through God is possible, right? There's nothing that is impossible with God. So you take the limitations and the restrictions and the restraints off when you're walking by faith. You no longer limit God to what's tangible or what you can put your hands on. When you do that, everything becomes possible. You know, a lot of times I tell my wife and I look at the situation, I recognize I'm not naive to what's going on now. The challenges that we face now, I'm not ignorant to that. I'm not far removed from it. We're going through it. But that being said, I also recognize that God has the ability and the power to change even the most gravest situation. And turn it around. I've said this before, and I don't, I don't say it as a derogatory thing, but I just, that's the best way for me to explain, express it is that I am dumb enough to believe that if God wants it to happen, whatever it is, if there's something in my life that I don't have, and I either need it or desire after it, and it's God's will for me to have it, here's the beauty of it. God will supply it. What did the scripture say? My God shall supply. But the reason why we don't get some of the things that God has for us is because we limit him. Some of us limit God to our abilities. That's why some folks don't get delivered. Some folks don't get saved because I'm so busy looking at God from my perspective or in my own mindset and saying God is not able to change me. Why? Because I couldn't change myself. My messed up situation where I'm at right now, if I can't do it, nobody can. That's the approach. That's the logic. 
See, when we go to school, they teach us these things from an academic standpoint so we can be more successful in the corporate realm, so on and so forth. But some of these principles don't apply when you talk about working in faith. You can't apply logic in faith. Logic is measurable. But when you're working in faith, there is no measurement. Find someone that can measure the full extent of God, and you can measure faith. Me and my wife, we talk sometimes, you know, we, we desire, yes, we desire to have a bigger house. We look at some of these nice houses around here, we say, man, that's awesome. Now, if I focus on my current situation, that ain't going to never happen. I'm a staff sergeant in the United States Army. You know, I mean, I got a big family. It just, you know, that ain't going to happen. That's not reality. But I understand that with God, all things are possible. So I refuse. Here's the deal. I refuse because this is, I mean, really, this, this ties in with being engaged. Because in order to be engaged, the first thing you got to do is have a made-up mind, right? What did Romans 12 and 2 say? Be ye transformed by the renew. Your mind, your thinking has to be renewed. Why? Because your old way of thinking, you were too busy looking at your circumstances and your situations. You never came out of them because you measured everything by where you were at the time. So you continue to stay there. No surprise, because every, th- every time you measured it by where you were. So you stayed in the same situation. Think about it. That's why some folks never get out of debt. You measure in debt or you compare in debt by debt, and all you do is stay in debt. Does that make sense to anybody? You got to do something else. You got to look beyond that, right? Let me see. How can I do this? Credit card, if you, you know, you study, you do research, they'll tell you, man, you, you make the minimum payments on them credit cards if you want to. They keep adding that interest on and you, you keep paying. You waiting for the number to go down. They say it's a minimum for a reason. But when you go above, you have a better chance of decreasing the amount you owe. So sometimes that means you got to sacrifice, right? It's all the McDonald's meals that I really don't need. Hmm. $10 here, $5 here. Can I bring it to church? Can I bring it to church? I'm not making this a charity uh, message, but think about it. You know, there's a work that's trying to, you know, that God is trying to do. And, hey, you know what? Listen, I don't have $100. I don't have $1,000 to give, but you know what? I do have 10 I'm not asking for your money. I'm just saying there's a whole lot that we could do if we just... Changed our way of thinking. 
$10 can go a long way. We just, you know, just last week we had the missionaries over telling us about how far, was it 10 or $5? $10. I think that is phenomenal. That in another country, $10, these people, they, they looking for Bibles. We, you know, and all you gotta do is give $10. And you're helping, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Remember what I said last week, it's not always about how much you have, but how much you do with what you have. It's not all, all about the quantifiable, but the quant- quantifiable. Did I say that right? Nope, switch that. <laughs> I knew something didn't sound right. It's not all about the quantifiable, it's the qualifiable. It's how much quality you put in with what you have, not how much you have. Quantity versus quality. Everybody with me? I want to make sure I correct that so anybody get the wrong. <laughs> quality. Some folks will not be engaged in the things of God. Some folks will not engage, period, because they feel like they don't have anything to offer. A lot of times, you know, whether it's people just walking in the church or whether it's people that have, you know, sometimes you're living for God, and, and this is one of those cases. You live for God for a while, and then you feel like, man, I, I messed up, or, you know, I got so many, so many blunders that I've made, and I'm just, what can I do at this point? I'm looking at the audience now. A lot of you have already raised your children. You know, you, they're already grown and out the house. And sometimes you look at your life and if you're not careful, you become so focused on, oh, I made so many mistakes. And then you're not doing anything for God. God is not done with you. Is this all right? I'm, y'all, y'all all right? It's not just a matter of the here and now. I said way in the beginning, every life has a purpose. Everybody has. God has a purpose for everybody. It's not a cliche. He gives us life because there are things he wants us to accomplish. So instead of looking at, oh, where I stand now, I'm just, you know, I'm not in the condition to do or, you know, I don't have. or Let's look at it differently. The scripture tells me greater is he that is in me. So again, can you measure God? Can anybody measure God? If you can't measure God, then tell me, why is it that God's unlimited potential is not working effectively in the church? If God is all-powerful as we say he is, then where is the evidence? This is where we start talking about being engaged. Our will aligning with God's will, our mind aligning with God's mind. Your will, in essence, is what you determine to do. God's will is what he determines to do. Well, where do you make the determinations? In your mind. So, let this mind be in you, which was also in 
The scripture even tells us what to think about. Right? Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. Now think about some of those things. Even good report. Let's think about that. We can talk about negative stuff all day long. Guarantee you, you know they've done these, they've done these researches. And you sit a group of people in a classroom or in some environment and you tell them to make a list of all the good stuff going on in their life. And watch how many of us will sit there and, and literally just have to think. What's good? Oh, yeah, that's a good one right there. But then to say, all right, now that you've done that, I want you to list all the bad stuff that's going on in your life. Man, the money. Won't get paid enough. Work too hard. The list will go on and on, like, really quick. When they do counselings with married people, (laughs) one of the first things that will come out with the couple are the negative things. You can barely get them to say something positive about one another. Why? Because of the way that we think. We naturally focus for... Being in the flesh, we naturally focus on the negative things rather than the positive. But he says what? If there be any virtue, there be any praise, you got to do what? Things that are of a good report. This is why, some, this is why sometimes when you, you ever been in, in, in the church or you ever been in an environment and somebody say, man, you know, God, God healed me from, it'd be something simple. You know, I had a common cold and, and God took that cold away. And you ever see some of the response, you know, that, that people give like, People yawning and stuff, just, you know, ain't no big deal, it's a common cold. Till somebody else come in and say, yeah, you know, I was missing the right arm and God made me grow that arm back. And look, I got to, and everybody want to shop now. Why? Because we've been so programmed with negative things, we don't even realize and recognize when the power of God is operating in somebody's life. If God took away a common cold, we should shout just as much for that. As for the person who grew another arm. Really. We should be that sensitive to the good things that God is doing. Does this make sense? Are y'all with me? Really, because this is part of being engaged. You know, to be engaged, to be connected to, directly connected to. Tell you what. When you go outside, if you were to go outside, I'm not encouraging anybody to do this, but if you go outside and you look at the power lines that's going down, I guarantee you, there's some power, there's a current going through those lines. In fact, they tell you, you get within a certain proximity, you can hear the power that's being transmitted through those lines. When you are connected to God, that's how it should be. You know, when you walk in the area, somebody should be able to feel what's going on before they even hear from you. You don't have to say anything. But they should be able to pick up on something that's different about you. Why? Because you're engaged. You're directly connected with what God is trying to do. 
So there's no mystery. Now the Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. Right? So if you're walking in faith, guess what you're going to do? You're going to look at every situation and you're going to say, man, God can change that. No matter how hopeless it seems, God can change that. And regardless of the outcome, guess who's still in control? We are never held accountable for the outcome unless it has to do with what choice we make. Our own behavior. God is responsible for the outcome. So the situation that we look at when we exercise faith and we say, I believe this can happen. I believe God can do this. I believe God can fix my AC. Right? And tomorrow it doesn't happen. Does that mean I'll just, I'll stop believing, I guess, because he ain't. So what's his purpose, right? If I'm connected to him, I'm still I'm not gonna stop trusting him. Okay, God, so you got a different plan. Got it. I'm okay with it, whichever way, Lord. I'm directly connected with you. I'm engaged in the work that you're trying to do. And so if you don't do it the way I think you should do it, I'm not gonna deviate. I'm focusing on you because I know that everything you do works together for the good. And it's for his purpose. I'm adding stuff in here that was not in here initially. But I believe is necessary. We're talking about being engaged. It's important to have Faith and look at life through the eyes of faith. This is the reason why the world is captive. This is the reason why the world cannot get out of the situations that they're in. They are blind because they do not have faith. Faith allows you to see things from an eternal perspective through the eyes of God to say this is what God intends to happen. Now he doesn't show you the process all the time. He just shows you what it is that he's trying to bring you to. Think about it. He talks about heaven. What did he tell them? He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay? So wherever I am, there you'll be also. And if I go... You know, and the way you know, right? He tells him, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come back again. I'm going to receive you unto myself. He gives them something to look forward to. When we look in the scripture, we find out that there's, we know there's a place to go. Heaven. Everybody's trying to go there, right? Is anybody trying to go to hell? Everybody, anybody, any, I hope there's nobody in here that's trying to go to hell. I believe everybody is trying to go to heaven, right? That's the hope that we have. We have something to look forward to, right? Knowing that there is something greater, but there is a process, there is a journey 
that we're going to have to travel in order to get there. And he doesn't lay it all out what every challenge we're going to experience. But if we exercise faith, faith, the trying of our faith works what? Patience. And it allows us to wait. Why? Because we're confident in God's ability to do what he says he's going to do. Now, if I have that kind of faith, if I look at life in that perspective, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be more apt to go out and share the same hope with someone else. Think about it. When you first can't, when you first received the Holy Ghost, there was a sense of hope that you had. That you could not explain in words, but you couldn't wait to tell somebody about it. Now, am I lying? So where did that go? Over time, if things interfere with our connection with God, we lose that passion, we lose that drive, we lose our connection, we lose our hope. And when we lose our hope, we don't feel like we can encourage others. We don't feel like, I wonder, I wonder, this is a scary thought, but I wonder how many folks who have experienced this have lost their hope in the things they say they believe in. And I'm not talking about folks in the world. I'm talking about folks that come to the house of God every week. Religious folks that have lost their hope. Listen, in order for us to be effective in the work of God as Christians, being a member of the body of Christ, we have to be engaged. In order to be engaged, we've got to look at it differently. We've got to look at life differently. God went through the process of changing the way we think, giving us a new mind, a new way of thinking, allowing us to be able to see things that transcend earthly things so that we can help others. It encourages us and we can go out and we can help others because others need to know. The world needs to know that there is hope. Everything that is being said now over the media, everything that's being publicized right now, it's very rare that you hear any good news, much less anything about God. It's mostly negative. How many conflicts do we have going on throughout our globe? Wars and rumors of wars, right? In this day and age, it is very difficult to find a source of hope. But if they can find it anywhere, it should be in the church. But if the church is not engaged, then we can't be effective in sharing that hope. Love is another thing that we need, and I just want to talk about this real quick. Love is what... We need. I know that's a song, but I'm not talking about Mary J. Blige's song. Very, very huge misunderstanding about love. And I know that there are terms that are used that a lot of us have heard already. Words that describe different types of love, they say. 
word uh, love that's um uh, philios i think it is that's friendship you've got or fellowship whichever and then you've got um storge i think it is which is a parental type of love and you've got agape everybody knows agape right that's that god love you know and then you've got eros which is where the word erotic derives from and that's sexual love or dealing with the sensuality of humanity so they say these are the four types of love but really i say to you i submit to you the bible tells me that god is love right so i believe there's only one type of love when you talk about types or categories there's only one type of love that's the perfect love that comes from god how i express that love differs depending on who i'm interacting with and here's why i say that because with those four categories of love my question is where's the love for my enemies i always hear of the four four types of love you know the frilly stuff that you know you always embrace the ones that make you feel good but what about the ones that don't didn't jesus say love your enemies So that flawed perspective of love obviously leaves that part out to me. The only way to really truly understand it, this is how I understand it. If I have the love of God in me, this is part of being engaged. If I have the love of God in me, it won't matter who I come in contact with. They are going to be impacted by love because it's something that has become a part of me. This transcends affection. You make me feel good and so my affections for you can be strong. I can say a lot of great words because I have affection for you. But we can't confuse that with love. Because if I don't have affection for you, I can still love you. I know that blows the mind, but that's because love transcends the emotion of man. It's not an emotion. It's an attitude. It's part of character. So when I go out, you can be cussing me up a storm, but I still love you. And it's not fake. So many folks are trying to fake love through the affections of the flesh. You can't do that. You will fail. Because one point in time when you finally had enough, then you're going to express your true feelings and now you have discredited everything you said. Plus, you have given a taint to the subject of love. So now with all these broken marriages, love has always been accused. Somehow in the mix, I don't love her anymore. But anybody that's been married for any length of time, you understand that there are sometimes there's some things that you may not like about the other person or like what they do so on and so forth, but I can tell you right now standing here, I know I love my wife. 
And I know she loves me. Oh, she may not like all the stuff that I do. Sometimes you get annoyed with being around some people. You be around friends and get annoyed with them sometimes. But that's still my friend. This is, to me, this is where love is truly perfect. If I can look at the person that's doing me wrong, and I believe this is what Jesus was showing us when he was crucified. For him to sit on the cross and having gone through all that he went through, and it was his own that was putting him in that position. They had an option. They didn't want the prisoner to suffer. They, you know, the one that was there, Barabbas, who actually did a crime. They wanted Jesus to suffer, who did no crime. He's whipped, crowned, beaten, stabbed in the side, nailed to the cross. I mean, how much worse can you get? But even going to the cross and hanging there between two thieves... He still said from his heart, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For us, we'd be like, man, he know exactly what he's doing. He's trying to kill me. But Jesus, looking at them, was still willing to forgive them because... He loves us. And when we have that type of love, it won't matter who comes our way. It won't matter how many people cut us off in traffic. It won't matter how many people cussing us out, you know, doing us wrong. You got, you know, it won't matter how many people calling you, trying to scam you. I had a personal (laughs) experience with that. But God dealt with me, even with that situation. I still need to love them. The soul is still redeemable. So when I have love, I automatically have compassion. The same compassion that Jesus had on those that he knew, the Jews, and on everyone else that was following. Remember that soldier that came along and wanted Jesus to heal the servant? He could have easily said no. But what did he do? And he even complimented him. I have never found so great a faith. There he is in the books now. Amazing, right? Jesus loves us. It's, it truly is an unconditional love. It's not an affection. Affections are conditional. They're based upon What happens to us, what happens around us. I can be upset today, you know, wake up with a bad, you know, attitude, whatever, because it was so hot during the night or maybe my trash can blew away because it was a big old storm came through, whatever the case may be. But you know what? No matter who I come in contact with, there should never be a question with me as a Christian who I say I am about whether or not I love someone else. Whether they're in church or out of church. Being engaged Having these things, it will continue on because I'm way over my time. I apologize. But being engaged, we got to stay engaged because this is the only way we're going to be effective as a body. Cut off your finger and tell me how effective your hand will be.
got to be engaged. We'll continue next week. God bless you. Let's get ready. Let's take a break and get ready for a dynamic service in Jesus' name and keep the Racine family and the, um, is that his, his family? Okay. I probably said the name wrong. Sorry. But let's keep him in prayer. Um, and all the friends, all the friends and family in Jesus' name that God would continue to keep their hearts and minds in Jesus' name. God bless you.